Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. MCIE. I have been told that I should cut down the time of my cold open so we can get to the interview quicker. Maybe. My name is Tim Viegas from the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, a show where with every conversation, we try to build bridges between families educators, and disability rights advocates to create a shared understanding of inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. You can learn more about who we are and what we do at mcie.org. For this episode, I speak with Melissa Defiat, who is a third-year PhD student at the University of Maryland. She achieved candidacy in the fall of 2022, Her research is focused on creating and implementing mathematic interventions for students with moderate to severe disabilities to be used in general education settings while aligned to grade-level content. She has co-authored three articles with the research team led by her advisor, Dr. Yakubova. Melissa and I discuss what it is like being on the research side versus the classroom teacher side of education why it's so hard for general education teachers to want to change their mindset regarding students with extensive support needs, and how her inclusion journey started in middle school. And just a quick note that our interview was recorded in early 2022. Thank you so much for listening. And now, my interview with Melissa Defiat. Melissa, welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast. Hi, Tim. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited about talking about your inclusion journey. We or we first met or I first heard your story at the TASH conference. I guess it was in December of 2021. 
And you gave a Tash talk along with, I was, I was part of like a number of people giving Tash talks. So I first heard your story and I, I wanted for our listeners to hear it as well. But before we get into your story, would you just introduce yourself and your role to our audience? Sure. So as you stated, my name is Melissa Defiant. Actually, I was a special education teacher for about seven years in the state of Maryland, which provided me with practical experience working with students with moderate to severe disabilities, fellow teachers, and advocating to create inclusive educational programs for all students. But while I worked with my administrative team, MCIE, the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, as you well know, Tim, (laughs) and collaborated with my fellow teachers, I realized that I needed to educate myself further to increase my personal advocacy, education, and collaborative skills in order to support fellow teachers as we implemented inclusive practices. So about two years ago, I received an email from the special education department of my county with a flyer from my university stating that you could apply for a fellowship uh, to get a, a PhD in special education. And as a result of that, I'm currently a second year PhD student hoping to advance to candidacy this summer um, and start my actual research studies. I hope to eventually influence special education policy, new teacher preparation programs, or even work at a state or county level to increase inclusive education for, for all students. So how how is the jump from, well, I don't know, I'm, I'm characterizing it as a jump, but how is the move from teaching to now being in this fellowship? So it's so interesting to me because when you're a practitioner in classrooms and you're doing the work, you feel like um, the academic community or the research side doesn't quite understand what you're going through as a practitioner, but in academia, on the researcher side, I've come across people who feel as though the practitioners aren't using the the information and the evidence-based practices that they have determined to be most effective in the classrooms. So I'm kind of in between the two groups (laughs) because I can apply my practical experience to the academic world. It's very interesting. Definitely a shift. I would say a definitely a shift. Yeah, that is interesting because especially especially for uh, people who are advocating for inclusive education because like if you're in this world, you know that we've known that inclusive education like from a research perspective um, is the right thing to do. And has uh, evidence, an evidence base for decades, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Right. What I'm really interested for the inclusive education piece, though, is we have a huge evidence base and tons of research studies that expound on the benefits of social and communication 
skills and interactions um, for students with high or complex support needs. But we do not have as wide a range of, of research base for students to achieve academically in the core content skills. So that's what I'm writing my synthesis on is what are we using to increase academic achievement in students with moderate to severe disabilities in inclusive settings? And are they evidence-based practices? Um, Does your research focus on assessment at all, like the state alternate assessments? So it does, it focuses on it in a way Mm -hmm. In, in the manner that I want to focus on students with moderate to severe disabilities because I feel like this population of students all too often can be viewed by educators or administrators or peers, neurotypical peers, as hard, hard or difficult mm-hmm. to include in just a general education setting. I have a problem with that term too but um so for research purposes i've defined students with moderate to severe disabilities as having an iq score of less than or equal to 60 low adaptive scores on assessments and or to take the state's alternate assessments because a lot of times some of these studies I find are not including because IQ scores is not the end-all be-all of your cognitive ability. It has to be combined with adaptive skills and other things. Um, So in that way, I'm including assessments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I guess that's what, I guess that was ultimately my question was that, you know, um, because as an educator, that's, those were the student, those are my students, you know, when I was a special right. education teacher. Um, and one of the things that I always questioned was with the alternate assessment and this, you know, alternate standards, you know, it was framed as, um, you know, these, these standards, even though they're modified are aligned to grade level standards in general curriculum. So you would think that if a student was included in a general education class, well, here you go. Here's the modification, you know, like we're working, right. we're working on us, you know, we're working about learning about a cell body and then you look at the alternate standards and you're like, okay, you really only need one piece of this standard. So, part of that work that educators say is so hard mm-hmm. it's already done for you yep. and and so what and so my thinking was oh well this will make it easier to include students but what actually happened <laughs> was like oh see these students require so much modification they don't belong in here you know what yeah. i mean I do. I do know what you mean. So that's why I wanted to further my education because I knew that personally I can edit 
modify, accommodate, support, whatever the other teacher's lesson or content is, Mm -hmm. if I have it in time. But I, I feel like I didn't have enough of a base of research knowledge and things of that nature to be able to advocate a little better. So sometimes my personal style is, I don't know why we're talking about this. I'm just asking you to include students, (laughs) right? Like sometimes that's just how I feel. Like, why do we have to talk about it? They're just kids, Coming to your classroom. You already have a bunch. Um, so it was like, oh, I got to get a little better at that and be able to say, oh, based on research. <laughs> um, so that's what, I, that's what I'm working on. But um, there was something else I was going to say. And I don't know how to say that diplomatically. So maybe I won't say that. <laughs> well, now I'm interested. Now you have to say it. <laughs> It can be edited out, right? It can. Or you it guys can. can make it, make me fix it. And well, say why it don't you say it, and then maybe we can work on it and how how you can okay. say it diplomatically. So I have found that in personal experience, general education teachers, when presented with the idea of including students who maybe traditionally were not included in their classrooms previously, and specifically general education teachers who may have a extended career Mm -hmm. um, tend to be more resistant to either students who are different than what they're accustomed to changing their, their content. You know, sometimes you come across somebody who's like, we absolutely positively have to meet these standards. Mm. So we have to go at this pace. I've done it this way for five years. Mm. Okay, well, <laughs> that's not really what we should be doing, but okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that becomes a, a, a bit of a hurdle. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, like how do, you, how do you get around that, you know, uh, that mindset? Because uh, I think that in a, in a general education, like if, if I'm a general education teacher and my goal is for students to achieve at a certain level, right? And let's say, I'm just going to call it high expectations. I have high expectations for my students. They're going to achieve grade level standards. They're going to, you know, do well on state tests and, you know, district assessments and blah, blah, blah. Um, And, you know, so you have students who learn at a slower pace, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, may or may not learn at a slower pace that threatens, you know, your expectation of your class, right? So I think that's a great observation and it, it kind of leads me back to, so some, sometimes my head spins with all the ideas that I'm gathering and want to consider for Mm -hmm. the future thinking of inclusion. So teachers are held to teaching particular um, 
content standards and, and curriculum requirements based on grade level expectations and standardized assessments, whether it's um, county level, state level, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But why are we pushing all students to achieve a standard? Why are we not pushing all students to demonstrate growth towards a, de a predetermined target. Mm -hmm. So what, so this is where my interest in kind of policies and procedures falls in mm -hmm. because why are we treating education? Like you have to reach this finish line to say that you are educated or knowledgeable or ready to enter the workforce and we're not focusing on growth, personal growth and understanding of concepts. And if that means that I learn it through watching videos and my, my products are posters or electronic PowerPoint presentations where you learn it through reading and writing and your products are essays and, you know, whatever. Just why, why do we push students that way? Why do we use those words like standard, standardized, normal, regular, general? I don't know. Philosophical question, I guess. <laughs> Those are great questions. I love those questions. I love it. Um, that you were saying, you said something. Um, we recently talked to somebody and they used the term meritocracy. And I really, I really did have to like, wait, like, okay, what does that mean? And then, but, um, but that is it though, right? Like we have a meritocracy. You have to achieve a certain quote unquote level or standard to be even considered for a particular job or whatever. Like they won't even let you in the door to interview. Right. 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 Um, so yeah, I think we do need to rethink those things. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think you're the exact person that, that, um, uh, should be thinking through those things. I mean, that's, that's why you're in, yeah, that's why you have your fellowship, right? Exactly. That's that's what I'm trying to do. And it, and the more I experience or TA in a course or talk to people, the more I want to know. So um, as a new teacher, I knew that I wanted my students, not really my, our students, um, that um, I knew I wanted them to be included. Right. And so when I showed up my first day of teaching, my first week of teaching, um, you know, I got all these, oh, you know, Melissa, you're doing great. I can't believe you're a first year teacher, et cetera, and so on. But then when I started saying things like, my classroom's on the fourth grade team, how come the entire fourth grade's going on a field trip, but my classroom's not going on a field trip? 
oh, we don't usually, what? What do you, you can't tell me that my students are going on a field trip. I'm sorry. I will file, like I had to be that loud voice that was, you know, a little assertive, I guess. Um, and now I'm doing more research and I'm learning more by being out here in this kind of academic world. And I'm realizing that people with disabilities can be paid less on average than um, uh, typical people, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know. Um, uh, living concerns are huge. Uh, we have the ADA, but there are still transportation systems and buildings that have not been either retrofitted or uh, rebuilt. I don't know. Do what you have to do. I know you say it's a budget problem, but we're truly not including everybody as a society, mm-hmm. right? And so part of me hopes, wishes, dreams that if we can start inclusive education at a younger age, And educate students in an environment where all are welcome and appreciated for all learning differences, because we all have them, that we can start to change this societal construct of disability and and make a, a larger impact. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What, what started you on this path toward advocating for inclusive education? It was in the 80s. I'm in middle school thinking I'm cool. It was the 80s. I obviously was not, although they're coming back. So That's right. 80s are back. Kudos for that. (laughs) Um, And I went to like my first middle school dance and this and this guy comes up. I didn't know when you go to your middle school dance, like everybody stands on one side of the room and kind of looks at each other awkwardly. Uh, makes more sense now as an adult. But um, this guy comes up and he asks me to dance. Like this kid my age, he's like, you want to dance? And I was like, yeah, sure. I love to dance. Let's dance. So it was like us and a couple other people <laughs> dancing on the actual dance floor. And I literally asked him, being clueless, like why are you here like how did you get here like this is for a particular grade level 
and within the school. And he's like, I go to school here. And I said, what? I said, but I've never seen you. And um, when I went to junior high, we really, um, like, we just kind of roamed all the halls and your classes were wherever. I feel like it wasn't quite as organized as junior high and middle school is now. So I honestly felt like I would have seen this person previously. And he's like, well, I go here, but um, I just go to a different classroom. And then later my friends were like, he's special education. And I said, I don't even know what that means, but I could tell by their, their like demeanor that it wasn't a good thing. And I said, well, I mean, that's not really fair. Like if he's getting something special, I was such a book nerd. <laughs> if he's getting something special and I'm not, <laughs> that's not fair. Wait a right? minute. Wait a minute. You right? said special. Wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. I was, and you know, I was like, <laughs> what early teen maybe preteen and I was just like what is happening he gets to go somewhere else and I'm picturing like he's got all the books in the world I don't know what you know like I said I love to read at the time so and I was probably a little awkward but uh <laughs> I was so confused by it and then as I started learning more about it I was like that doesn't even make sense because he's just like us. Like, you know, he had a head, he had two arms, he had two legs. Like he just like another kid. So why would he get his education in a separate spot than I would have? And that's kind of what started the whole process for me. In addition to having a cousin who, you know, I now realize, or I mean, obviously before I realized, but as a kid, it didn't occur to me. She has a disability. We used to talk all the time. People used to say to me, oh, you're so nice hanging out with her. Mm. No, she was just fun. Uh, right. <laughs> we just cut along. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, so I just kind of kept that in the back of my mind. I was not a person who was ready to attend college right out of high school. So it took me a little longer than traditional formats. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. But I ended up where I'm supposed to be, I believe. Yeah. I, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. Um, that is so interesting. Did you have other experiences like that with that that disconnect, like the, the more you went to school or w by the time you got to like high school, you're like, oh, those those are the quote unquote special education. Well, no, because I went to school... Because I went to, so I think the um, Education of Handicapped Children Act mm -hmm. was released in 75, maybe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of started my academic career towards the end of that decade and um, went to school through the 80s and early 90s. Um, there was still this definite less inclusive experience for special education we didn't really start to look at inclusion and more inclusive experiences until probably 2004 when IDEA was um I think it was reauthorized mm -hmm. um and they talk about the least restrictive environment which was actually mentioned first time in 75 
but they also talk about including all students to take the standardized assessments and how it can affect and um, how it can affect schools and their ratings and things of that nature. So then people started to get like, oh, maybe we should start focusing more on academics instead of functional. Mm-hmm. If some of these students are going to be taking these standardized assessments, right? Right. Um, and that's when that push came. So while I was in high, even in high school, there were students who were kind of tucked away. I have this, I have this theory um, about that time period. Cause that is right. When 2004 was right. When I started teaching. Okay. Um, so that was like my first, my first teaching job was 2004. And, uh, you know, I had other than school, other than like my teaching education program, I had no experience with special education or, you know, I went to private school, you know, I had no, right. no concept, right. Uh, of the law or anything. And, and so, um, accountability measures, no child left behind, stuff like that was, was kind of like, I came into, I came into education with that being in the forefront of, mm-hmm. of everything and reflecting on it. I always thought that that really slowed inclusion down because of what you said. It's like, the schools are now accountable for, you know, not a hundred percent of students with disabilities. Uh, oh, I mean, I, the, taking the, taking the typical standard assessment and the 1% is taking that alternate assessment, but the majority of the kids that have IEPs, right. Right. Are all taking the regular assessment. So, it's like, well, we have to do something special or different for these students to catch them up, no. you know? So my theory, and I don't, you know, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but my, my guess is that that slowed inclusion down. Uh, and so when you see those percentages um, about the growth from like the 80s to 90s to 2000, like we grew a lot in that LRE, LRE a percentage, mm-hmm. but then after 2000 to 2010 to 2020, it's just like really, really, really slow. So that's just my idea, but I don't know that if that's could right. Be. I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a valid observation. Definitely. Now I want to go back and look at the numbers that I live in this little research world <laughs> of mine um, to see if there's any, um, idea there. But I mean, that could be because there was this emphasis put on special education. Like we are specially designing instruction, but the problem is it wasn't focused on instruction. It was focused on location Mm -hmm. and location does not equal special (laughs) education. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It has nothing to do with where you're at. Yeah. Nothing. Right. We can all get educated anywhere, anywhere. Museums, the zoo, car trips. I mean, it just doesn't matter. So whether you're in a general education or a special education classroom shouldn't matter. I think. Obviously, there are students that have specialized healthcare needs and other things 
that they may have to have a certain location to access those types of resources. But for the most part, we can include uh, pretty much almost everybody, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people don't like when you say all, Melissa. I know they don't. They don't. No, they're like, uh, uh, but, 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 but not all. What about? <laughs> no, no, no. I said all. But what about? And I'll be um, honest with you. Um, I have friends who are educators who who teach a range of varying abilities in special education. And I have had some very um, invigorating conversations about, but why not? <laughs> what gives you what gives you hope as a educator and researcher? What gives me hope? I, I have to believe, I have to believe that, no, hold on. Let me think about this for a minute. Sure. Take your time. want to be, I have hope in the fact that the United States as a nation historically has continued to change its, its public school system to become more inclusive, meaning we started with young white males. Um, eventually we started including females. Um, then we had the civil rights movement uh, which helped uh, with racial and ethnic disparities. Um, and then individuals with disabilities started getting some representation and some, some more educational opportunities um, through that civil rights movement starting there, really. Prior to that, a lot of people were institutionalized, which I don't know if you've read up on this, but it's horrifying. So my... Yeah. My hope lies in the fact that we can change, right? And if we continue to grow this community of people like myself and you and MCIE and, and fellow teachers, whether they're general or special, I don't care. Fellow related service providers, um, administrative teams. Um, and people to advocate at the at the um, political level, like for policies and procedures. If we can do that, we can make this change. That's where my hope lies. My despair lies in the fact that it's so slow. And I don't know how to help support personally, to help support a huge societal change where we stop asking how are we going to include somebody and just pause and look around and say, wait a minute, why isn't so-and-so here? Mm -hmm. Melissa Defiant. Thank you so much 
for being on the Think Inclusive podcast. We appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Think Inclusive is written, edited, and sound designed by Tim Viegas and is a production of MCIE. Original music by Miles Kredich. If you enjoyed today's episode, here are some ways that you can help our podcast grow. Share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And if you haven't already, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Special thanks to our patrons, Melissa H., Sonia A., Pamela P., Mark C., Kathy B., Kathleen T., Jarrett T., Gabby M., Aaron P., and Paula W. for their support of Think Inclusive. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how MCIE can partner with you and your school or district, visit MCIE.org. We will be back in your feed in February. Thanks for your time and attention. And remember, inclusion always works. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.